This is Split Prism's Parallel Pictures Podcast. Every week we watch two movies, a double feature. Some are old, some are new. Some are blockbusters, while others are obscure archival relics. Our pairings are designed to put two films in conversation with one another. A conversation that will contain spoilers. I'm Jess Littman. And I'm Drew McCarter. Join us as we find meaning in the crossover. This week, we're talking about the films The Fall and Seven Psychopaths. The Fall is a 2006 American film directed by Tarsem Singh and shot by Colin Watkinson. While both recovering in the hospital in 1920s Los Angeles, Alexandria, a young girl who broke her arm working in the Orange Grove, forms an unlikely friendship with fellow patient Roy, a stuntman who broke his legs in an onset accident as he regales her with an epic tale of five fantastical outcasts. Due to Roy's nihilistic state and Alexandria's optimistic imagination, their story takes a turn that leads to real-life consequences. Seven Psychopaths is a 2012 American film directed by Martin McDonough and shot by Ben Davis. When Marty, an alcoholic screenwriter, is struggling with a severe case of writer's block, his overly imaginative best friend Billy tries to set the stage for inspiration. By playing out a fictitious tale, Billy inadvertently upends Marty's world, effectively blurring the line between movies and real life. The Fall is a movie that I had seen um on a list, on a couple of lists that were just like best cinematography in movies ever. And I had always looked up like, oh, where can I go watch this movie? And it had never been available anywhere to me. Uh, it's un- unrentable at the moment for one reason or another. Which we'll, we'll try to avoid typically, but this movie is worth talking about. So big plug to learn where your local video store or your library video rental yeah. checkout system is. And we'll, we'll also maybe try to include a link or yeah, something notes, that yeah. has, because um, obviously we're in Los Angeles, there's a lot of video stores. In other states, there's usually maybe at least one, sometimes maybe none. But anyway, The Fall was one that I'd always wanted to see, and it, uh, it stars Lee Pace. Um, who's a pretty big actor. Um, if you saw him, you'd recognize him. Um, also a tall actor, like <laughs> 6'4", 6'5", I think, or something Very like tall. Um, but then uh, at Alamo Draft House in Los Angeles, they actually have this cool store called Video Vortex where you can rent two DVDs. And it's more like a checkout system, more like yeah. a library Yeah, system. you actually, you only pay if it's late. So you only pay if you don't bring it back within a week. Um, and we're not sponsored by Alamo or anything. We would love to be yeah, Alamo if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're great. So we went to see a movie there a couple weeks ago, and we were like, oh, let's get a couple movies, and we got The Fall, and we decided to watch it, and then we were like, oh, I wonder if we could pair a movie with this, and there's obviously so many movies kind of about the film industry or like revolve around Los Angeles or Hollywood, and then I was... Um, walking home one day and I was like oh what about Seven Psychopaths Mm -hmm. Uh, which is one of my all-time favorite movies and it also revolves around Hollywood and uh, LA but it's uh, it's not it neither of them are like movies about movies right it's not Once Upon a Time in Hollywood right um, which is I mean not about movies but it's about the people in the industry and uh, uh, their careers it's it's more just set amongst yeah. LA and and the goings-ons and the the interesting people here like the main character in the fall played right. by Lee Pace mm-hmm. he um 
And it's arguable if he is the main character or if this little girl is the main character. I did want to talk about that, yeah. Yeah. His, so his name is Roy. We said that in the synopsis. And the little girl is Alexandria. Roy and Alexandria. Yeah. Um, and yes, Roy, you were saying it's arguable. Roy is um, arguably, he's maybe the main character, but it's really almost Alexandria's story where kind of the audience is kind of in her place. You know, I feel like she's kind of our way in. Um, but he's a stuntman, but it's not about, it's not like once upon a time where it's like really about him being a stuntman. It's Mm -hmm. kind of, that's kind of the side story. And it's just what led him to be in the hospital. Yeah. And what led him and the Alexandria, the little girl to be together. Right. Um, similarly, um, we, we know in seven psychopaths that, um, Marty, Martin is writing a screenplay. He is a writer and that is like a through line, but he's not, he's not pitching it. He's not making it. He's not in rewrites while the production is happening. Um, like he's a writer, but that's just kind of what sets them off on the journey of, uh, uh, collecting psychopaths, I guess. Um, it's really not, not about his like career and his craft as a screenwriter yeah um okay but i do want to talk before we get too far away from it about the like whose story is it question because um both of these movies kind of have two protagonists and by the definition of the word like you need to have there's one main protagonist and then there's like a secondary protagonist there's a fancy word for it but i don't know how to say it who in each is, do you think, the center of the story? Because, or whose story is it? Because I feel like Marty and Alexandria are very similar. They're in similar spots where they're witness and observer and sometimes contributor to truly somebody else's imagination. Somebody else is driving the story. Do you disagree? No, I, I, I'm i just trying to, yeah, no, just keep going. Yeah, well, I just, I was thinking, like, uh, the classic example is talking about Gatsby, right? Like, in the book um, and in the movie, but, like, let's talk about the book. Um, you're seeing it through, uh, oh, gosh, what is his name? Tobey Maguire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Tobey Maguire character. You're Nick, is that it? Nick someone? Um, you're seeing, you're like witnessing the story in the book through this character. He is your way in, but it's really Gatsby's story that you're bearing witness to, right? Huh. That's interesting. And so I feel like there's a little bit of that going on here. And it is a question like, who is, yeah, who's the protagonist? Because I feel like in both movies the fall and seven psychopaths alexandria and marty both end up kind of assuming the hero role being the one who like walks away with this grand story because um you know both of the other ones are kind of the i don't know more martyrs to the story yeah but it's also interesting just thinking about it in that way and i think initially i disagreed with you but now i think I do agree, but it's also interesting because um, Roy in the fall is a performer. He's a stuntman um, and he's telling these stories. 
um, because he's a storyteller. And uh, in Seven Psychopaths, Billy, Billy Bickle, played by Sam Rockwell, is um, he's an actor as well, also a performer. And he's kind of uh, very much the catalyst and purposefully trying to inspire his screenwriter friend, which is interesting um, uh, just because... Uh, you would think, oh, the screenwriter would be the one turning these tales. But he's kind of the screenwriter in this is named Marty. The movie's made by Martin McDonough. Very much seems like... Kind of a stand-in. Yeah, for for Martin McDonough. Yeah. Um, for himself as the writer What do they call it? Autofiction? Maybe. Um, uh, I believe you. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, you would think the screenwriter's the one kind of spinning the tale. But he's kind of almost got... What's it called when you can't have an erection? <laughs> oh, erectile dysfunction. He, he's almost got uh marty's almost got like storytellers erectile dysfunction yeah. writer's block that's what it is <laughs> um and so he's like very much uh trying to get this story written and but it's it's the performer who's spinning the tale which is like i don't know just interesting to think it's the two actors in both movies who were telling telling the stories mm-hmm. um well, and they're both also a little bit like manipulating the observer, right? Because it's just in different ways. Um, Roy, it, he says he insists towards the climax of the movie that he was only telling the story to get Alexandria to steal pills for him. That's the only reason he was telling the story. I don't personally believe that. Mm-hmm. I think he got caught up in the relationship that he was starting to have with this little girl, this very sweet, like, you know, um, friendship that happened in the in the care ward. Um, whereas, you go ahead. Well, and he's also a story, like, he is, as much as he, like, wants the pills to feel better, his lively, he's made his livelihood as a storyteller. So he obviously has this passion for storytelling. So you know there is a part of him that was probably loving telling this epic story yeah um for sure well and on that note like it it's funny when you look at the the things that do happen in their reality timeline like the fact that he writes out morphine and alexandria mistakes the e for the three oh yeah like that is a plot twist in their reality that he could not have foreseen or could not have written as a storyteller so i do think it's cool too how he's weaving this grand story this this plot with twists and turns and and details but he does not even make a foolproof plan for the manipulation that he's trying to pull off right you know yeah but what i was going to say is that billy bickle which I, I, I want to call him just Billy, but it's so fun to say his whole name, Billy Bickle, um, when he's manipulating his friend Marty, uh, it's, it is a much more loving manipulation. He wants his friend to have a good screenplay. He wants him to feel creatively inspired. He wants him to be able to do his work. He wants him to stop drinking. Now, there are some collateral damages because in order to productively inspire his friend in a loving manner, he does kill people. So (laughs) there is a hang up there that there is like still a damaging uh, piece to the manipulation. But arguably the people (laughs) he kills are mid to high ranking members of the mafia or the Yakuza. Right. The Italian-American crime Syndicate. Syndicate, yeah. Um, And so he's like, there's a whole through line in Seven Psychopaths of like, 
you're killing people, but you're killing the bad people who kill people. Right. Like serial killer killers yeah. is a line. <laughs> Billy killing people who kill other people. They're not really vigilantes. They're just like, yeah. I, it's I it's a it's the murder equivalent of Robin Hood stealing from the rich to give to the poor. It's like if you're murdering murderers, is it okay? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. But also, also, um, whereas like Marty and is it Alexandria uh-huh. are kind of parallels uh, and Billy and Roy are kind of parallels. I also feel like Roy and Marty are kind of parallels because they're both Roy's uh, arguably addicted to morphine. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and he's trying to kill himself. And he's trying to kill himself. And Marty is definitely an alcoholic. And I don't know that he's trying to kill himself, but he's definitely not trying to not be an alcoholic. And there are those lines in there. There's like a, a small batch of lines where um, Billy teases him for being depressed and suicidal. Right, right. And Roy is very much suicidal and tries to commit suicide mm-hmm. in the fall and is unable to. There's also another parallel where, where I feel like Roy and Marty are both these people who, and Billy as well, but... So I actually wrote a paper one time uh, about this movie and it took me a long time to like get a thesis, but then I got there and I was like, oh, this is so interesting. So Billy runs a dog napping business with a dog borrowing, dog borrowing business with Hans, played by Christopher Walken. Um, really a brilliant cast in Seven Psychopaths. So many great actors. Um, and so they they steal dog, they borrow dogs, and then people are like, where's my dog? And then they return the dog and get the reward, and they make uh, kind of an easy side hustle. Um, they never hurt the dog or anything. They just, they feed him and whatnot. But anyway, but then, uh, uh, later Sam Rockwell is in this hat. Um, and I actually have the same hat. Um, it's a, it's like a little dog hat, um, which I've seen like was, wasn't even part of the script, but he just got it. But, and he's got this dog hat on and I've always very much seen him because, because he is this character who just wants to please Marty and he burns a burns a flag at one point and just sits and looks out the window all day um i've always very much seen him as like kind of a dog trapped in a man's body almost Mm. um and he just like when you ask him to repeat things he says it in the exact same way um you you know which is not to say that dogs talk or bark in the same way but he's very much kind of fulfills the spirit of marty's dog and just wants to please him and like mm-hmm. just wants to have a good time and wants and to... similarly like he's killing these people for marty's story yeah just like sometimes your dog comes up to you with like a dead like garden animal right. in your mouth in their mouth and you're like ew but also thank Sweet. you <laughs> I know you think this is nice, you know. This is very, or cats too, right? Yeah. They kill birds and, and squirrels and like right. bring them to their owners and are like, be proud now. I did this for you. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I was just going to say, so Billy's almost like this dog-like, kid-like kind of docile character. And Alexandria mm. is very smart, but like very much a child. Yeah. Um, so pure. Yes. And, um, and very much like, I'll get you morphine. I don't know what that is. I'll try to get it. Um, And they both have, Billy and Alexandria have this kind of optimistic view of the world, I think, even though they've like definitely had some struggles. Whereas Roy and Marty, even though they're, they're trying 
to weave these really intricate, beautiful, worldly stories. They both kind of have a pessimistic view of the world. I, I don't know. I just think that that's no, interesting. No, that is interesting. It's interesting to, to consider the various parallels between the our four kind of main players here, especially since I, I was also thinking while, while we watched um, Seven Psychopaths, because we watched The Fall first, and then we were like, oh, you know, Drew brought home let's let's talk about seven psychopaths with this um but while we were watching the final shootout and seven psychopaths i was just thinking like how there is a parallel to be made between billy and roy because they're both trying to end the story with this big everyone dying right in very different tones yeah. with with billy it feels triumphant it feels rebellious it feels uh, like you've been building to it for so long. He he picked the perfect spot for a shootout, whereas Roy is just trying, he feels so guilt-stricken by the fact that his actions made Alexandria get hurt again because, of course, she started in the hospital with a broken arm. When she tried to steal morphine for him again, she fell and seemingly cracked her skull. Yeah, she had, like, surgery or Pretty something. big, like, oh, and there's this head injury. Oh, my gosh, yeah, yeah, there's we this... can get that. Okay. We can come back to that. Okay. But, um... But, you know, he's obviously so, he feels so bad. And so he's trying to make her believe that he's a bad person because he believes that he's a bad person. And so he's killing off all her characters. Yeah. So there's this parallel between Roy and Billy, I think, in that they're both trying to end the story with this, like, grand uh, shootout, for better, for lack of a better word. Yeah. But there's also a parallel between Billy and Alexandria in that neither of them will let yeah. the other protagonist take control of the end of the story. When Roy is trying to kill everybody off, Alexandria, through snot and tears, says something along the lines of, you're killing it, stop killing everybody, why are you killing everybody? No, he has to live, he has to go find his daughter. And she's like, I, she won't let him end the story the way he wanted to. Mm -hmm. And Billy literally says, this, this story ends my way. Yeah. This movie ends my way. Yeah, that's interesting. And those are both the arguably the children of the stories. Mm -hmm. When you're younger, you're always looking for the more positive ending to things. And it's only as you get older that you realize, oh, it doesn't always have this. Uh, really phenomenal ending or this happy ending it sometimes just ends and it's like not satisfying at all so you almost get that unsatisfying ending and then they uh, come back and in their individual movie ways they both kind of do give you that satisfying mm -hmm. ending um, but I feel like it's very much earned in both it doesn't feel like they had two endings and then they were like we're just going to put both in it Definitely. feels like you need both yeah um, but something I, I I read a couple of just reviews from 2012 when Seven Psychopaths came out and um, one was I believe it was by a female uh, writer I can't remember who it was um, but it, it's not my own thought um, <laughs> but but she said something along the lines of like movies are so often about men who are just like oversized boys like playing with guns and she was like, and in Martin McDonough's Seven Psychopaths, she lets the, he lets them do exactly that. And um, which That's I funny. think is funny because it's true. And I don't think she was trying to like knock the movie. I think she was saying 
they get to be those oversized boys, but because they're just so unabashedly oversized boys, it almost uh, brings more heart to the characters in the story. And they're not pretending to be anything else. They're yeah. not pretending to be like a serious man. I, I feel like I know exactly what she's, she's like talking about the like crime and law and order drama. Right. You know, and, not and, the show, law and order, the, the genre yes. of law and, and order. order. Yeah. yeah. And Billy Bickle is always like, there can't be, we can't have peace. That's stupid. Jesus and Gandhi are the ones who want, this is stupid. We have to have a shootout. Yeah. And like, um, he's like constantly poking holes and kind of like very big phrases, like an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. Yeah. He, um, but yeah, they, and, and also in the fall, he, he's kind of an oversight. I mean, acting in general, we're both actors, Jess and myself. So like, we're not knocking acting. We both love acting, but <laughs> acting is kind of, you're just kind of dressing up and playing pretend and you're doing it in a more serious way. And there's millions or thousands of dollars riding on every second, but it's very much like you very, you have to be in touch with that childlike essence you have. Yeah. And Billy and um, Roy are both kind of being babies at, at some points during mm-hmm. the movie. They both know? throw fits for sure. Yeah. So that's, a, that's another interesting parallel. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the kind of like supporting ensemble of our main characters. So we've already addressed that Marty and Billy are traveling with Hans, who is played by Christopher Walken, and he's kind of their, their third in command. Um, in their story, he provides this nice, older, grounded, like no stakes <laughs> uh, or low stakes balance to their back and forth um, bickering. And he is just, I mean, it's just a great performance. Um, but in addition, like as the title references, there are then four other psychopaths who float in and out of the written script and their lived reality. And um, I think that it is an interesting similarity that just like in Seven Psychopaths, where they are maybe at the beginning unknowingly, but as you get to the end, Marty knows that all of his psychopaths in his movie are coming from real people who he meets and encounters and gets their real stories and repurposes them into, I guess, other than the the Vietnamese monk. Yeah, there's the right? one. There's the one. He's monk. the one kind of imagined character, but even he gets rooted in a, a historical reality. And he also gets very much rooted. I think he kind of changes hands between. He starts out as Marty has an idea yeah. for him, and then Billy's like, "Oh, I've got this idea for him." Yeah. And then Hans has this idea. Yeah. So he's very much an ama- amalgamation of. I feel like there are three ideas for this one character. Definitely. For this one psychopath. Yeah. Yeah. But so it's very much real people, fictional people floating in between, right? In the fall, um, we, the audience, gets to see who is playing the supporting cast in the uh, uh, imagined story, the fictional story, before we even meet all of the people in real life. But everyone is a real character in their reality as well. The Charles Darwin is a surgeon at the hospital, mm-hmm. right? Um, the uh, the same actors 
like the same just to clarify oh, yeah, yeah. the actor hopefully you'll be able to watch the movie yeah, or you have at this point the actor <laughs> playing a a kind of random surgeon at the hospital is playing charles darwin and this girl's imagining of the movie of the story that roy is telling right her. so there's like a cast in the in roy's imagined story but it's all of the people who alexandria plugs in are people who work at the hospital. Which is why I think it kind of... Or that she met at the hospital. Which is why I think we can safely say it's like we're experiencing this story through Alexandria's eyes. Yeah, definitely. Um, and and another guy is the... He delivers the ice. delivery ice. man, yep. Uh, the, another guy is someone she sees Roy talking to who seems like he's mm-hmm. a producer at the movie studio. Or another stuntman. Another, might be another he stuntman. He might be another stuntman because he's a one-legged actor. Yeah, right? right. And then one of the characters who she puts into the story... Roy never even meets. She works with him in the orchard or in the orange grove. And she shows him a picture of this this man and who, that she carries around in her little box. Uh-huh. Um, and then I feel like there's, oh, the uh, rival of Roy, the rival actor, uh, is a general odious in the fictional world, the, the antagonist and yeah. the nurse who takes care of alexandria is the love interest i mean it's it's fun to have these kind of like real quote real in their reality people um playing these ultimate fictitious imagined roles and and getting to see them both ways it's also fun because it's which i know this kind of thing has been done before where they like you have them based in reality and then they're like in the story is some other character but it was fun, like the Charles Darwin guy in in the story is like a pretty big character in the story. But the doctor, the surgeon is like, I feel like he only says a couple things and you just kind of see him like being a surgeon in the background. He's on screen for like 30 seconds in his surgeon outfit. Yeah, but then one thing that I didn't notice until towards the end is there are these like evil soldiers in the story. And... They have these really crazy outfits and they're like really kind of fantastical, um, pretty scary too. It's like all black. Um, But then uh, you realize at the beginning, uh, Alexandria walks by a uh, like an old x-ray room and it the people who are doing the x-rays are in almost identical outfits to what the uh, fictitious evil uh, soldiers are wearing. Because it, it's like, I guess because x-rays were more powerful or they didn't, they just didn't understand how all that worked back then. So they have this like crazy gear on. It's like a big welding mask. Yeah. And like armor and, and it's, shield. And it's pretty scary. It and is. I'm sure like as a kid, if you saw that, you'd be like, that's terrifying. <laughs> that's going to be the evil thing in any yeah. story for the next few months. Yeah. Um, or years. Yeah. So really cool to see how the realities and fictions within the movies blend together and how they kind of blur yeah and they're constantly kind of this character in the story will in both movies in both seven psychopaths and um The the fall this character in the story will start as played by one actor and then something's revealed to whoever's whoever the audience is hearing the story through and then that actor in the a meta story within the movie <laughs> is played by somebody else for yeah. this reason or another. Um, so that's, that's really fun. They both have red masks. 
Huh, they do. Yeah. They both have red masks. Yeah, the Jack of Diamonds, mm -hmm. who's one of the seven psychopaths, yep. who is actually Billy Bickle. He's the murderer that... Uh, murders murderers. Murders murderers, <laughs> yeah. And then the... Um, what was he? He was like the... Ma the, the masked bandit or yeah, something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think he was the masked bandit. Um, yeah. And yeah, they both have red masks. Just a very small similarity, but still worth noting. So the fall is beautiful. Yeah. It's really visually stunning. Um, there is trivia about the movie that claims that no sets were used, that all locations, all filming locations were pre-existing um, and done on location. It took four years and 28 countries to film and it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the very beginning of the movie alone, there's this black and white kind of montage. And, and it's a little confusing. I think it's in slow motion too, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's just this like stunning black and white. But it's not just black. It's like they have some sort of special black and white filter. It, it feels like you're there also. It's so... Yeah, it's... And I think what it's representing is like when Roy's injury, happens. like when he yeah. gets hurt... Um, because he's shooting a silent film and he jumps off a train track onto a horse in the river and like misses yeah. and then breaks his leg. Or no, he loses feeling. He he, he is temporarily paralyzed. Yeah, um, from the waist down. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, but the way they shoot it at the beginning is just like this truly stunning um, cinematography and, yeah and the rest of the movie too but I, I just remember immediately from that I was like this alone is gorgeous yeah and I mean you have beautiful tracking shots running through the hospital center with Alexandria meeting different people you have these amazing I mean just stunning this montage of all these different places and countries pretty still pretty early on in the movie but it's in the the fictional timeline talking about the the cohort of bandits uh vigilantes uh going from place to place looking for general uh, uh odious, odious right yeah um and each one of those shots is so quick but they had to be done in all these different countries um and I mean, it's, yeah, the visual, the visual language is just really strong and lovely. Whereas Seven Psychopaths, I was, because I hadn't watched it before, I hadn't watched it since before I became interested in cinematography and post-production, so it was really interesting to revisit it. It was also interesting to see that I, I saw this movie was shot on film, which it was in kind of that in-between zone where I feel like it was like a pretty 50-50 split of things being digital or film, mm -hmm. um, but it was shot on film. It had a really, it had almost like a hyper-saturated feel to it sometimes, Seven Psychopaths, mm -hmm. but it also felt like the lighting, uh, like they weren't trying to beautify anybody, you know, it, it all felt... It all at least felt like they were using a lot of natural light sources and whatnot. Whereas the fall also, like it had that black and white uh, scene at the beginning, but then the rest, uh, especially when they're in the story, it's also very saturated. Um, but it feels like everybody just like looks gorgeous. And, yeah. you know, it's just everybody's glistening in the best way. Um, and even when they're in, quote, reality at the hospital, they are it's like um, always golden sunny yeah, outside <laughs> which really evokes like this 1920s 30s hollywood and yeah. it really golden puts you era. right there mm -hmm. so that was just i don't know fascinating to have this movie 
Seven Psychopaths, this movie, kind of about movies, but everybody looks, I mean, Colin Farrell's beautiful, you know, but he, the lighting's not doing any, like, favors for him, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, like, just his face and some really harsh sunlight. Yeah. Um, And it also, I, I tried to figure out what the budget was for that, and it seemed like a pretty meager budget. Meager meaning ten million. Meager meaning ten, ten or fifteen million. Okay. Um, which is like the fall is estimated at thirty million. Which is also like for, but it, that was over four years, and that director was like funding it with a lot of his commercial work, right? Right, that's right. So yeah, we we had seen some more trivia around the fall that Tarsum, the director, was um, he was flying all over the world for other gigs he was getting, other commercials and music videos and when he was in those countries he would fly the actors out and uh just hire local crew and shoot whatever he could and then fly back and i mean what an amazing way to work but also uh the commitment the the challenge the timeline i wonder i'm sure he he ran into a lot of uh, moments where he was like, am I ever going to finish this? Yeah. <laughs> he also said, and I, I don't know, I mean, I, we're both in our mid-20s, so we're still fairly young, we're still fairly early in our careers, um, but Tarsum said that he was writing the script for like 17 to 20 years. And so I, that's another thing that I'm just like, actually, like, did he write it? and tweak it over all that time or did he have the story that he was ruminating on and just waiting for the right time to write it down i I wish i could i wish i could ask him all these questions because it's such an extended timeline for uh a really grand work that fits into a movie that's shorter than two hours Mm -hmm. changing topics just a little bit it's just interesting one thing i know we talked about hollywood is such a kind of iconic i'd say pretty american uh, place uh, in beautiful Southern California, <laughs> but these two not Americans made movies about this quintessentially American place. Um, Tarzan Mar- is an Indian director, uh-huh, and Martin McDonough is Irish. Right. He's an Irish. Uh, uh, I think he's famously known as a playwright, and rec- in more recent past couple decades, he's become director. I know he he won an Academy Award for a short film he made. And he did three billboards a few years ago, which he might have won an Oscar for. I'm not sure. But he he's famously, he and Shakespeare are the only two playwrights in history to have four plays running simultaneously on the West End. Well, that's wild. Yeah. So he's like a very big deal. And he's, yeah. he's, um, he's very highly acclaimed in the theater space. Yeah. And he's like very much, I think he's a brilliant writer director mm-hmm. i really love him i know some people have some problems with him for this reason or that nothing i don't think he's done anything that's like uh he's not eating women he's not eating women yeah i think <laughs> we'll he's, leave it there <laughs> uh, yeah um but yeah i think he just uh rubs some people the wrong way because uh-huh. i i think he's very sure of himself mm-hmm. is what i've seen which well and he's not taking any precautions to protect anybody's feelings right, right? Uh, which is a it's a risky place to be um, yeah but anyways yeah regardless Oh, but what I was, yeah, yeah. So, so this movie is about the American film industry, specifically in Los Angeles, uh, from these two foreign directors. Um, and one has a background in playwriting and theater. Um, and the other one, uh, Tarsum, has a background in commercials. And music videos. And music videos, which I think, uh, this might sound surprising um, if, if you've seen both of the movies, but I think you can really tell in the fall 
that it is by someone who makes music videos and commercials and really like uh, glossy. The whole thing has a... It's highly produced. Highly produced, yes. Whereas Seven Psychopaths, sometimes it almost feels... There's one scene in the graveyard, which I think is on a soundstage, but the rest of it really seems like real locations. And it's much more naturalistic. Yeah. Which does make sense for For someone who is used to being in the theater. Right, which... um, I hadn't thought about until you were talking a minute ago. Which That's is interesting. Interesting. To, it's very much informed by their past works. And both of them, both of these directors uh, have only done a few movies. Um, Martin McDonough did the one short and he now has three features. And Tarsum, I know, has a few other features. I think he has a handful of features. Yeah. But they're, they're pretty spread out. And yeah. I think he might have done some work on TV shows at mm-hmm. this point. Um, and... One of his most recent uh, film works was a Lady Gaga music video. So pretty cool. And honestly, I was only looking at stills. I didn't even watch the video. Um, but it looks very uh, similar aesthetically and, and design-wise to some of the imagery from the fall. Yeah. So, I mean, like big costumes, lots of colors, beautiful sets, mm-hmm. eye-catching. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And fantastical, too. Mm-hmm. He reminds me just like, just a hint of Guillermo del Toro. Mm. Uh, not, not... Different kind of fantasy, but still I see what you mean. Like yeah. fantasy, but still kind of based in reality. It's not like Lord of the Rings, where it's a different world. It's right. Like, this it's like, is, it's here. It's in the multi, It's in the slightly different universe. It's in a, <laughs> you don't say it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is not going to become... But yes. I agree. I want to talk just a little bit, very briefly, about the poster art for both of these movies. Oh, okay, cool. Because The Falls poster is notably inspired by a Salvador Dali painting, which the painting's cool. Look it up uh, if, if you want. But the, well, and some people actually say that it's inspired by two. The, the Mae West painting as like the the design and then there's a burning carriage in the poster and some people are speculating that that's referencing a different Salvador Dali painting where there's a giraffe on on fire um but anyways to me it's it's so much less about the works and so much more about the fact that the poster is referencing Dali and kind of like saying buckle up it's about to be a surrealist ride (laughs) uh get your get your imagination hats on because you're about to see some stuff that won't happen in real life which is pretty cool a cool kind of subconscious precursor appetizer to the style of the film whereas seven psychopaths there are seven people on the poster but it is not the seven psychopaths not all of them yeah, it's very misleading. You're like, it's oh, it's going to be these seven people are the seven psychopaths. Which also is kind of right on theme with the movie. Yeah. Because the movie, one of its tasks, I would say, one of the main tasks of the plot is to mislead you and then be like, haha, this is the truth. And you, as the audience member, sit there and go, whoa. <laughs> I mean, the first time that I watched it and the uh, Amish psychopath reveal happened my mind was blown yeah that was such a crazy twist for me interesting that both of these movies are about hollywood foreign directors all that but they're both shot it seems uh, definitely the fall and it def 
Seven Psychopaths certainly seems like it for the most part. They're not shot on like sound stages. They're they're shot in real places, which I feel like. And I, uh, if somebody knows and they want to, uh, I would love it if you reached out or commented. Um, I feel like some people say shooting on location is more expensive, but then sometimes. I feel like I hear that shooting in a studio on a soundstage is more expensive. And I would just be curious because, I mean, we've... We're just curious. Yeah. We don't have a ton of information. Neither of us have ever worked in locations. We're just curious. Yeah, like what is... Because I'm sure it's definitely easier for everybody if you just go to the same soundstage every day. You have more control. Yeah. Over but, some things. But then I would almost think that's more expensive because, like, are you renting out that soundstage even if you're part of a studio or you vying for the space but anyway that's beside the point um yeah it's interesting that these movies are about hollywood and they're pretty much which hollywood you think soundstage is fake uh everything's made up but these are i'd say collectively 90 percent shot with real real stuff even though they cover uh a grand scope especially the fall yeah well and that's interesting to consider too in the regard of the fact that both of the films have pretty impressive practical effects yeah uh, and practical special effects uh in the movie yeah um i mean seven psychopaths has some gore it's it's quick but it's like there are some gory sequences um which is very impressive uh and the fall there they they say that there was no computer generated effects and that everything was practical uh and done on location so just crazy so crazy and also very cool very much speaking to the craft of the various collaborators in the filmmaking process uh-huh. well i think that's about it for me i know that it's hard to find but i just want to doubly triply quadruply encourage people to seek out the fall don't buy the blu-ray it's really expensive because <laughs> <laughs> apparently we, it's rare but yeah we returned it hopefully criterion or somebody will we didn't buy the blu-ray and then return it we like we checked it out like oh Bruce yeah <laughs> yes yes we checked it out yeah um so it was free to us to watch yeah i mean just look in your library also you have to have a, a blu-ray player which a lot of people don't have anymore right. so if that's not an option that's not an option there are a lot of ways i mean i'm sure this will be a running theme in the podcast but there are a lot of ways to see movies that you uh that are hard to find you could reach out to a local cinema interest group or screening group or an independent cinema see if they can if they would be interested in putting it in their programming you could look in your library you could reach out to your library see if they uh, could obtain a copy of it you could look for a video rental store or you can just like add it to your list of hopefuls that Mm -hmm. you will eventually stumble upon and like us one day you will yeah yeah (laughs) yeah it's really really is a gorgeous film Um, yeah Seven Psychopaths is readily rentable on Yeah, it might be free everything. to stream. I, yeah, might, I feel like it's free at this point. Yeah, well, with places. a subscription probably. With a subscription, yeah, yeah. yeah of course. Free. Yeah, not really. <laughs> Included. <laughs> also something I'm curious about, and I know there's, um, I'm going to share a, I believe it's a public list of places to get DVDs and Blu-rays, but also let us know if if you find a place that isn't on the list, or even if it is, and you just don't want to look at the list. Just I'm I'm just personally curious, and I think it's uh, like vinyl stores are coming back. I think DVD and Blu-ray are maybe coming back just because there's a lot more available on those than there uh, is on streaming. There's mm-hmm. there's quite a shortage of 
material on streaming. Even though it feels like we're being bombarded. Yeah, there, there's, there's just a lot of uh, original content that's not very good or um, we're all just kind of watching the same three mm -hmm. things whenever they come out on Disney Plus and Netflix and Amazon and HBO Max. But yeah. And Hulu. And Hulu. And Showtime. And Showtime. All the others. All the others, yeah. <sighs> Thanks for watching these parallel pictures with us. Want to be in the know about the next lineup? Follow us on social media at Split Prison Productions. If you have any epiphanies about this week's double feature, we'd love to hear from you. Please rate and subscribe to the show so that we can reach more people with our pairings. This episode was produced and edited by Split Prism Productions. Mm -hmm.